These guys keep asking me what I do and they know what I talk about. They know what it is. J-Hops Podcast Radio. Everybody attitude ain't natural But you ain't the same This ain't kumbaya But you got hurt cause you did kumbaya You gave him 20 million without blinking He gave you 20 minutes on stage Fuck was he thinking Fuck wrong with everybody is what you saying But if everybody's crazy You're the one that's insane Crazy how life works Not much man What's up with you? Chilling Chilling Eyes is, eyes is a little tired, but I'm all right. I'm good. How about yourself? Dude, I'm sitting here. I just finished up Reservoir Dogs, the Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. Dude, I, I have a revelation right now. Remember a while back we did our top five best movie directors? Yeah, we did. I remember. I think, I think my order, if I remember correctly, was... Uh, Tarantino, Scorsese, Kubrick, Hitchcock, and Spielberg. I'm bumping yeah. I'm bumping Tarantino up over Scorsese to number four. Because I got to yeah. tell you, dude, the fact that Quentin Tarantino wrote the scripts to all these movies, freaking legend. Yeah. It's, un- it's unbelievable because the thing you think about the most when you think Tarantino is iconic lines. I mean... The dude actually wrote Samuel Jackson's uh, Ezekiel twenty five seventeen speech in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, that is some masterclass writing. It really is. Tarantino, I think he, I think Tarantino is a pure example of quality over quantity. If quality over quantity was a director, it's Quentin. Quentin, Quentin would be it. I'm so tempted to put him. I just, it's impossible for me to put him over the other three just because the other three had a bigger impact on movies. But right. damn, Quentin's a legend. He is. Man. But we ain't here to talk about movies. We got a sports J House tonight. Sports J House tonight, yes. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to J House Podcast Radio, episode number 197. We are two episodes out from episode number 200. So super hyped about that. But yes, sports tonight, basketball, football season is upon us as well. Thank the Lord Almighty. It is a lot to get into. Trades have gone down today. Um, NIL deals and how that's going to affect a lot. Where do we even begin in this plethora of, you know, first off, I'm going to say this. Anyone who already had the Brooklyn Nets, just because Westbrook went to the Lakers, all the media has got to hype it up about, oh, it's the battle of the X's, Kyrie versus LeBron, AD versus uh, whoever and Westbrook versus KD, stop, okay, stop. Let's get that out of your head right now. Just because you have the super team narrative that you got to push, that doesn't guarantee if this past NBA season have showed us anything. Is that just because you have a super team full of super skilled scores? It means nothing. 
So so let's go ahead and cut that narrative right there. That's all I'm gonna start out with. But Evan, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let well, you <laughs> I appreciate the rant. <laughs> but that's, it's gotta but be known. I mean you touched on some trades. I noticed that your Miami Heat picked up Kyle Lowry. Yep. We picked up Kyle Lowry and I don't know how that's gonna figure. I mean, it's a great pickup. And I think that'll help push us. That'll help push us. Uh, push us in the East. It'll give us definitely a lot of edge. But I, I just pray that we can keep. Um, we can keep a lot of our, um, which we will. I, I love Drogic. I want Drogic there still. Of course, we're keeping Tyler Harrow and uh, Duncan uh, Robinson. Those are young guys. That's our future. We're building on right there. So, you know, I, I like I like this pick. I'm Kyle Lowry is a hustler. He is, you know, he's he's one. He's 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 a great. So, I mean, I, it's a good pickup. It's it's a good pickup. It'll definitely give us oh, yeah. a lot of edge on defense. He's and y'all got Jimmy Butler on top of that. Bam Adebayo. I mean, dude, Miami's got a squad. Got a they squad. have. A, I think they've got a. I think they could be a legit dark horse team. I could see them upsetting a team like hmm, Atlanta or the Sixers. I don't know if they're ready to compete with like, uh, let's say Milwaukee or Brooklyn yet, but they're coming up. They're coming up. They're a squad. No doubt. No doubt. But the biggest trade on everybody's mind, of course, is the one we're going to talk about the most tonight. And Mm. that is the Lakers have traded Kyle Kuzma, uh, KCP, Montrez Harrell, and I think a draft pick, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. to the Wizards in exchange for one Russell Westbrook. So now the Lakers have a big three of their own, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook. So now the narrative is, do the Lakers now have a legit chance to beat the Brooklyn Nets? That's kind of the logic because now people are just assuming because Russ has landed in L.A. that there's nobody in the West that can stop the Lakers and there's nobody in the East that can stop Brooklyn, assuming everyone is healthy. And, of course, I'm going to say I pray right now that come next playoffs that we don't get the injuries we did this time around. Yeah. Because, I mean, there were just so many injuries that just really ruined what could have been a lot of great, yeah. I mean, you know, like Kawhi Leonard got hurt at one point, uh, hurt bad, hurt real bad, and there were just a bunch of other guys who got injured that just really ruined a lot of series. And as fans, we want to see the best play the best, so that was disappointing. Sure. Hopefully, that won't happen this year. Um, yeah. but Eric, let's start with this question. Mm. So, overall. How do you think Russell Westbrook will fit into the Lakers system given his past? You know, people have called him hard at times, stubborn. He likes to play his way. You yeah. Know, do you think LeBron will be able to get a handle on that? And secondly, does Russell Westbrook make them the favorites out of the West and to win the title? Um. I think that 
It's a tough question because Russ, Russell Westbrook has shown, and, you know, I'm not going to get into the X's and O's because I'm not necessarily a pro when it comes to that, but I do know passion and I do know um, I do know that competitive willingness to get it done on your own and to to be loyal, you know, all of those intangibles is are what kept Russell Westbrook with Oklahoma for a time and then he went to uh, Houston and then so on and so forth. But he's never been one that feels like he has to seek out help or that he needed someone necessarily to help him get to that extra mile. You know, I think last season absolutely proved that. You know, they pushed to the playoffs. He got the the Wizards to the playoffs. Um, Triple-double king, of course. Um, You know, just insane stat sheet. And so – and that was all by himself. You know, the the Wizards weren't necessarily a superstar team. They had great players, but not a championship-caliber team. But nonetheless – Russell Westbrook plays like it every single time. So I think he brings that mentality to uh, to the Lakers. And he, as far as his stubborn headedness sometimes, I think that – I don't think it'll be that much of a problem, honestly. If I'm, I don't think it'll be that much of a problem with, between him and LeBron because if anything – you know, LeBron, you know, people always talk about, well, you know, LeBron's up in age and, you know, LeBron's not as, uh, not as, um, you know, as dominant as he used to be, or he's not this or that, which is farthest from the truth. LeBron has just become a great facilitator of the basketball and he's not as solo. He tries to get everyone involved, you know, a Tom Brady of basketball players, so to speak. Um, so, with that being said, I think that what Russell's intensity, I think his aggressiveness in the paint and on defense, I think that's going to light a fire under LeBron. Not, not only that, but LeBron changed his number back from 23 to 6. And the last time we saw him in 6 was you know when, back when he was with my Miami Heat and he was known as the Dark Knight you know what I'm saying? And he was just destroying people. LeBron was a bad guy in every aspect of the word. So I think this is this is going to be – I think it's a good move. I think they're definitely going to match up better than what people are expecting. I think people are expecting them to beef and to, you know, all this. And I don't think it's going to be that. I think they're going to be a perfect mix I think they're both going to be aggressive, aggressive leaders on the team that are going to push each other and push the team to to dominance. And as far as the picture goes for the whole Western Conference, um, and then I'll answer you, I'll get to your question about the Nets. Um, as far as the Western Conference, they're definitely going to be a top contender in the Western Conference, no doubt. And I'm predicting within the top four, four spots, if not number uh, number two or three. And I'm saying that because you got to factor in Nuggets coming back. You got to factor in Utah, uh, a fully healthy Golden State Warriors team that is coming back. 
Clay and Steph, and we know the power that they have with just those two on the court. So they will be coming back for revenge. So the West will be quite competitive this season, and so the Lakers are going to be caught up in the mix of that. As for the matchup with the Nets, <sighs> the Lakers are going to absolutely destroy the Nets. And I mean that. Really? They're going to destroy the Nets. That's, wow, okay. They're going to destroy the Nets. Why, He's, Eric with the Max Kellerman take. Okay, let's go. Hey, 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 here's why, Stephen A. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> but, like, I just really believe it because when I look at how the Nets came together last year, you know, everyone's like super team, super team, super team, and they're expecting all these great things. You know, Kyrie missed a lot of games to a lot of undisclosed, a lot of other reasons, personal, all this and that. Then came back, you know, James Harden showed out some nights, but then got injured and didn't come through in the playoffs either. KD, as great as a scorer he is. And that's word, that's word to Stephen A. Because Stephen A has been riding KD like a horse. I don't care how great of a scorer you are. And yes, KD is one of the most, if not the most electrifying scorer and shooter in all of basketball. But all of that, all the scoring titles, all of, you know, any of that means jack squat because in the end, your legacy as a champion is what people are going to look at. And KD hasn't led anyone to a championship. There's no leadership on that Brooklyn Nets team at all. None. Not a smidge from anyone. There's no leadership. You just got a bunch of very good basketball players who know a lot of flash and know how to score the ball. You know what I'm saying? And know how to move the ball. That's all you have. You don't have any leadership. You don't have anybody who's developing anybody. You don't know that. Look at the last play of the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, it was the Bucks. It was the Bucks and the Nets, right? Yeah, KD had the final shot, and he was tired. The dude had just put out arguably one of the best finals performances ever, um, and he was gassed. He needed a little bit of help. Gave it to Harden. Yes, I understand Harden, but the man could have at least took that shot. KD was clearly saying, hey, bro, I need help. Take this last shot. I'm putting it on you. I've done all I can. And he passes it back to KD. And KD airballs it. So, like, any excuses for KD are eliminated now. No one can make any excuses for AD. So there's no leadership on that team. And it doesn't matter how many great players you have. If you don't have leadership, if you don't have chemistry, it's not going to work. We can't say the same thing for the Lakers because the Lakers have chemistry. LeBron and AD have chemistry. They're bringing Dwight Howard back. Um, Caruso's going to the Bulls, I believe, with with uh, with uh, with uh, what's his name? Which whichever ball brother it is, I forgot. He's going there with the Bulls and Levine. So there's going to be a lot of new pieces coming into LA, but. Trust me, they're going to have that chemistry down pat. So I, I just think that leadership and LeBron's 
LeBron wanting to involve everyone and LeBron wanting to develop people and be a leader, it's just going to win in the end. And Russ does the same thing. Russ has the same kind of competitive fire and spirit. That's why it's it's just more meaningful when it's that way. Giannis showed us that. Giannis definitely showed us that. You don't have to have a super team or have all these, you know what I'm saying? And KD's just made a name off that. That's just, That's what he'll be known for. He'll forever be known for joining teams that have stacked players already so that he could win a championship, not necessarily leading one on his own. You know what I'm saying? That's just, that's what it is, you know? And so, um, yeah, that's, that's why I got the Lakers just swacking them this season. So. Well, you're wrong. (laughs) And I'm going to, and I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. You're wrong because the Lakers are not going to make it to the end. Oh, not the finals. I, I thought you meant just regular season matchup. I'm not assuming no. any to go into the finals, by the way. No, 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 no. People are asking, do I think the Lakers are the Nets' biggest threat? Maybe on uh, paper. Maybe mm. on paper. But... Right. I happen to think, and people can call me crazy, there is a trio that will be reunited for the first time in a couple of years. We once saw this trio. They have one more star who's not there, but it was still mostly this trio. Won 73 games in one season. This season... Clay Thompson finally returns. Mm. It's going to be Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson. The Splash Brothers are reunited. And they got Andrew Wiggins. They got a whole squad over there. Yeah. And I happen to believe that if you have Steph and Clay healthy, it's. I mean, they're lethal. They are so freaking lethal. They're pretty much a much more lethal version of uh, Lillard and McCollum. That's what the Splash Brothers are. Yeah. And you mentioned chemistry. Who is more chemistry than those guys? Nobody. They've won 73 games and three championships together. They know all about chemistry. And I think people are forgetting how good Steph Curry is. He's the only unanimous MVP in league history and the best shooter God ever made. But since Clay Thompson's been out, he, people have been able to double. T- if Clay's back and now you've got to worry about Steph and Clay, that's a problem for anybody. That's a yeah. problem. Or actually, I like what Shannon Sharp says. Problems can be solved. They're an issue. They're an issue. Yeah. And so I look at the Lakers. And I just don't think that they're going to be – they need shooters. They need shooters. Look, I, I love Russell Westbrook. Him and Luka Doncic are two of my favorite players to watch. But Russ is not a great shooter. And he's also not the best passer in the world. I know he averages a triple-double, but he's been very selfish at times. Yeah. Now, there is the concern about him being stubborn and – 
you know, we know that LeBron likes to get up in his teammates' faces to like, you know, like, hey, man, get your head. You know, it's never like personal. LeBron just, he'll approach a player, man, be like, yo, man, get your head in the damn game. What are you doing? Right. You know, we all remember how he looked at J.R. Smith in that finals game. Holy shit, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, that's like the dumbest play I've ever seen. Still is. That, to this. that or the Sanchez butt fumble. I don't know, man. I got to go the J.R. Smith thing because that was for the finals. <laughs> God, man. That was for but, everything alive. But, yeah, I just think the Warriors are going to be too lethal. When it comes to Russ, it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to take LeBron getting in his face like that. But I yeah. will say this. If there is a single player in the league – who can get away with getting in Russ's face? It's LeBron. LeBron. You know, he's the greatest player of this generation. It's kind of the same thing whenever Tom Brady gets in someone's face at Tampa. It's like, you're not going to get mad. That's Tom Brady. If he's getting in your face, it's a call to be better. You know, he's the greatest player. So Shut up and take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If Russ can shut up and just, you know, if he – Russ has always seemed to have an issue being the second guy. You know what I mean? He didn't like it in OKC when KD was there. Houston when Harden was there. But now, dude, he's going to be the third fiddle. Because it's going to go LeBron, AD, Russ. He'll be the third fiddle. And it's going to be interesting to see how that works. Because if he ball hogs, they're not beating anybody. Right. So he when it he comes to the... hmm? no, I was saying he wants to win championships. So oh, yeah. obviously he's sick of doing this by himself. So he wouldn't be ready to cooperate and play ball and go to the Lakers if if he wasn't going to, you know, be willing. So. Yeah. But, man, I tell you, I really think the Nets are going to slack everybody in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. I'm not kidding, dude. I think they're slacking everybody. They nah. – I think they're I think they're murking them. You want me to tell you why? Why? Because I think this season was James Harden and Kyrie Irving's wake-up call. If they have any pride as a superstar, they will bounce back from this. The Clippers – this season showed me that it's possible to bounce back. Kawhi got injured. I believe if Kawhi doesn't get injured, I really think the Clippers represent the Western Conference this year. <coughs> I really do. Really? Yeah. That's bold. Dude, without Kawhi Leonard, they took the Suns six games. Or was it seven? No, it was. I think it was seven. Yeah, that was without Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, Paul George did his thing. And so, you know, but with Ty Lue, they came back and played a lot more aggressive because they choked so hard last year. I think the Nets now have motivation, and now they've got more time to play with each other, get to uh, get used to playing more. Because we didn't see them play together much at all last year. You have to remember, I think they played like 10 games together when they were healthy. Yeah. Had the same issue. Lack of chemistry came back to bite him on the ass. But now with the Nets, it was a little bit different because it was a 
it was an injury thing, but I mean, dude, that's just way too much firepower on one team. I'm sorry. Defendable. Nobody in the league is built to stop it. Kevin Durant by himself, because James Harden played like absolute shit, almost single-handedly beat the Bucks. Like his foot was on the line. If he's a half of an inch backwards, the Nets go to the finals. Close that series was. I'm not trying to ride KD or anything, but it was that close. Yeah, KD almost single-handedly beat the NBA champions. I mean, the dude's lethal. James Harden, yeah, he had a bad performance in the playoffs again. But we know how good he can be. We know that he can drop 40 when he wants to. We know his ball handling skills are crazy. And speaking of ball handling, there's never been a guy with better handles than Kyrie Irving. All due respect to Allen Iverson. Kyrie's, yeah. handles, Kyrie's handles are just evil. I mean, they're lethal, man. And he's another one that can drop 40 on any given night. And all three of them can hit threes when they get hot. So that's, that's just too much. And KD is completely unstoppable. Completely. His jump back or fadeaway jumper, it's the new sky hook. It's the new sky hook. No one can stop it. Because he's got a seven-foot wingspan. He can shoot above anybody. That's just not yeah. fair. It's not. And, and I agree with Max Kellerman. If the Nets are healthy... Nobody beats them. I, I'm sorry. They slack everybody in the because I don't see who's going to be built to beat them. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the Heat. They're a good team, but and, and they play decent defense. But I don't think Jimmy Butler could do anything with Kevin Durant. Yeah, I mean. I'll be honest, I don't. And I don't know if Kyle Lowry or Drogic could be able to slow down Kyrie. From a defensive perspective, we would. We'd be able to definitely give them problems defensively, but offensively, we're not there yet. The Heat are not a sound shooting team uh, just yet. Sound defensive team all day. But as far as shooting goes, that's something that has yet to be improved on this season. And we just added another. Kyle Lowry can make clutch shots. He can. But more defensive than than anything. He's more he's just a dog defensively. Dude knows how to fight. He can scrap and he can score. So I mean that's why we bought him down. But as far as being like shooter, you know what I'm saying? We we only have Drogic, uh Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Those are our best shooters on the team, pretty much. And then we got Bam for the paint. So yeah, I don't know if we'll be able to – I hope we do, but, you know, one can only hope. I'd, I'd tell you what could be interesting, though. I'm still waiting for the Dallas Mavericks to make a move to see who they can get with Luka. Because, dude, Luka – damn, that boy is evil. Yeah. He, he's evil in the playoffs, man. He's averaging, like – what were they saying, like 34 points a game in the playoffs? Yeah. I mean, dude, that's stupid. And I was oh. so 
What? No, I was saying to add to your point on that, to because I didn't believe you at first, like when Luca was just, I had to watch it for myself. But then to add further, further fuel to that fire, is it even okay to be a Team USA basketball fan right now, knowing that we're losing to the world, and then, uh, and then Luca has taken Slovenia undefeated. Not one team has touched them yet because of Luka. That's scary, bro. That's scary. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, man, I mean, Luka's proud of where he's from and he's fighting for his country. And I tell you, man, what I love about Luka, if you watch him, he doesn't, he's really got his own style of basketball that he plays. Like, you look at Russell Westbrook or LeBron. Whenever they start dribbling, they just drive, take it to the whole slam dunk. Luka will start off with that intensity and then, like, pull right back at the end and do some kind of crazy trick shot layup. Like, it's complicated as hell to watch. But it's like he's playing chess while everybody's playing checkers. And I will so... Freaking pissed off at Chris Tapp's Porzingis. Dude, this guy had a seven-point game, an eight-point game, and a nine-point game. Like, dude, you're 7-3. You're 7-3. Like, no one can stop you if you just want to dunk. Yeah. But but this dude's trying to knock down threes. Ugh. Height never guarantees talent, so sadly. I mean, He's a, I mean, I've seen him have amazing games. He just didn't have any last season, which is sad yeah. because of Luca. Man, he's so freaking awesome. Yeah, but, but yeah, man. So overall, my thoughts on the Russ thing. I don't think it makes the Lakers prohibitive favorites. I think next season I'm riding with the uh, Warriors and Nets to make it to the finals. And I've got the Nets winning in. I'll say six. In the NBA Finals? Yeah, I got I got the Nets beating the, the Warriors in six in the NBA Finals. Ooh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Ooh. I'm like, think about that now. It depends on who has the better record. Because I'm not going to favor the Nets if game seven is played in Oracle. Because, man, that Oracle Arena, that place is loud. It's a different beast. I have to, like, put my TV almost on mute if there's ever a night game because it's that loud. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. But I always love seeing fans that passionate. No, man, I ain't going to lie. But, yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I, I'll stay with my original pick. I, I got the Nets winning in six, although I will be pulling for the Warriors if that happens. Yeah, I feel that. I got yeah. – um, Yeah, who's your way too early finals prediction? Way too early, I got either the Warriors or best-case scenario, the Lakers, going to the finals against either the Bucks. Well, no, actually, no, no, no one at all because no one showed me. The Bucks are actually my favorite to probably win the East. If my, if I'm, if my, if we don't make it, if my Heat don't make it, then 
Um, it's going to be the Bucks. The Bucks are going to be looking to go back as repeat champions. I think. I don't think they have the Nets. Don't have the leadership, nor the they got the skill and the talent, but they don't. They don't got the leadership and the chemistry to beat Giannis and the the Bucks. So it's either Warriors, Lakers versus the Bucks. If it's the Warriors, the Warriors absolutely murder Giannis in uh in us uh, in four four maybe probably four straight six at the latest if they give up any fight uh if it's the lakers versus bucks it goes down to game seven and the lakers pull it out interesting i think i'd favor yeah I'd favor the lakers over the bucks yeah that's we'll do that now that was a quick fun talk because this next topic is the one I really wanted to dive deep into. Okay. Because I have such strong feelings on this one. Like really strong feelings. And, and I have a really good conversation about this. So for anybody who's been living under a rock with college football, which is my favorite sport far and away. I love all sports, man, but it's just something about college football. You know what I mean? Yeah, nothing like it. Maybe it's because, you know, my team wins all the time. I don't know. Something like, something like that. Okay, all right. I'll, what, was that? what was it, 13-0? God. Just beat everybody, I guess. Anyways, I got <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's awful. Yeah, um, I got I can't say nothing about it. But no, this is, dude, if whoever wins the national title, unlikely, um, you have to be as cocky as you can be. Even if we did go to the national title that many times, I wouldn't be that cocky. Bullshit. It's easy to say that when you don't have it. Dude, trust me. That cocky when we won the national championship in 2010. All I, by the way, for the record, all I wanted in 2010 was some respect from from everyone. That's all I wanted in 2010 when we won the national title. But what did I come to school with? I came to school to only get, you know, lacklustered by a bunch of Bama fans who said, oh, you guys cheated, not a good game, or okay, y'all got it this time. No. It was just like, I'm like, I'm sorry. You guys spend most of your time winning the national title, and now that we actually got it over you guys, we can't just get any respect. Like, just, come on, like any respect at all. So I ended up cussing out my whole math classroom or just the <laughs> band fans in that classroom, and I had to get pulled outside of the classroom and talked to by my coach, and he had to – you know, tell him, hey, calm down. I'm like, I'm sorry, coach. It's like, it's why, like, these Bama fans, and it's not every Bama fan, but just those guys at the time. I'm like, y'all just whining too much. Like, shut up. Get over it. You lost this one, you know? And I'm pretty sure they're not hurting now because they want, y'all have got like six more cents. But, you know, like, it, it's just like that. So I'm like, that, and I'm humble. Like, even in Super Bowl 50, when Denver went, to Pro Bro, Eric, I was just screwing with you, dude. No, no, no. I got no. I got you. I was just telling other sports fans. I'm like, <laughs> don't be a Patriot fan. You know what I'm saying? Don't be a 
God forbid, don't act like a delusional Cowboys fan. Oh, our glory years were in the 90s. Man, but- listen, think. look, look. Come on. Real quick before we get on our topic. I yeah. sort of agree with what you said because whenever I had to watch Alabama get schlacked by Clemson in the national title game, and I do mean, oh, my God, that was a schlack. And I, I had nightmares for a month. That was every, every time I saw purple or orange, the Clemson orange, or even heard anything that rhymed with Clemson, you know, I couldn't even say Crimson. I couldn't even talk about my own football team because Crimson rhymed with Clemson, and Clemson scared the fuck out of me. Because yeah. they, God, they whooped Bama. And I tell you, man, Clemson fans came at me. And you know what? I curled up in a ball, cried and took it. I I could do nothing except clutch my hound's tooth, bear Bryant hat, and 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 pray that next year would be better. Yeah. But it wasn't because damn Joe Burrow decided dude just woke up and said, Hey guys, hey, hey yo you know how I was like average last year? Yeah, Joe, we remember. I just became the best college football quarterback ever. What if I did that? Wouldn't that be crazy? And they said, yeah. And Joe said, okay. And then he did it. He did. Like, <laughs> I've never. Best quarterback I've ever watched play. God, that game broke my heart. But i tell you what's crazy about Alabama. I'm going to say this before we get into our topic. This told me everything I need to know about what people think about beating Alabama. When Joe Burrow won the national title game against Clemson, which was a great game, he out of the stadium. There's a camera of him walking out of the stadium, and there's a bunch of LSU fans behind the cage, and he walks out. He's just waving at people, smiling. You know, he's like, he's happy, but he's, you know, he's contained. He's like, ooh, yeah, we did it, right? Yeah. There's a similar video to him leaving Bryant-Denny Stadium. In this video, he runs up to the cage, banging on the cage, slapping the cage. LSU fans are slapping his hand back. People are just about to tear this thing down. And Joe Burrow's screaming, let's effing go! Yeah! And I'm like, you guys threw a party when you beat us. But you want to just, yay, we won the national title. I, yeah, we see what y'all think of us, LSU. Oh, by the way, LSU <laughs> 55 to 17. <laughs> no pride, man. No pride. Mm. That should never happen. I'm just gonna say that should never happen in a rivalry game. It just shouldn't. Like, you should have the pride to at least be competitive with your rival. Like, that was ridiculous. It was like 45 points at halftime, and Bama just freaking slacked off in the second half, just like, yeah, we're not even halfway trying, and still scored 10 points. It was pathetic. And, and normally the Bama-LSU game is the most defensive SEC game of the year normally. No, I mean, LSU just had no pride, none. But they found some sort of pride and beat Florida. They had a weird season. Yeah. But I also think that game, I don't think, I, I think Florida, my honest to God feeling with that game is Florida straight up looked past LSU. I think they were just so focused on playing Alabama, they just looked right past LSU. Yeah. Then LSU shocked the hell out of them. But for tonight's topic, 
so we're talking about the NIL. And for people who don't know what that is, NIL, long story short, means that college football players can get paid for their likeness. So college football players and college athletes in general can now get paid, make money, not by the university, but by endorsement companies like Nike, yada, yada, yada. So I want us to be clear, it's not the university paying them, it's outside endorsements. Agents. Um, yeah, agents and the like, right. Exactly. All of that, yeah. Now, this has obviously been, you know, a lot of controversy. Some people are like, oh, we're turning players to divas. Some people think it's great. Players are getting paid. I'm just going to say this real quick. Uh, objectively, um, the fact that we're getting a new NCAA football game, the greatest damn sports game ever made, I'm happy. <laughs> You're satisfied. You're good. Oh, You're good that, that. that alone, like, oh, we get a new NCAA? Oh, heck yeah, give me a picket sign. I'm ready to fight for this. Yeah. Put me on the front lines. <laughs> Go. Um, but so there's that side of it. Some people think it's, it's going to turn into diva. Some people think it's great. They're getting paid. I have very polarizing thoughts on this. Like, uh -huh. I've never been so torn on an issue before because there's half of me that thinks that this is an amazing thing and it's doing great things for players. But the other half of me is saying that this is going to absolutely kill interest in college football. Yeah. And I will explain why, but first, Eric, let me get your thoughts on NIL. Is this good for college football or bad for college football? It just dawned on me as soon as you said that. I was thinking about it. It just dawned on me that this actually could harm college football. I mean, number one, I mean, yeah, it's great that players are going to get paid to, to have get paid for their likenesses being used. They're going to get paid for all that good stuff. That's fine. But at the same time, you know, there's this hunger about college football there's this not even gladiator like quality it's just there's there's nothing like it you can't explain it and it's no knock on pro football because pro football is its own experience in itself but there's something about college football man that's so different you know like during those four years you have to win now especially if you're a fan of the SEC or you play in the SEC or you coach in the SEC, you have to win and win now because every four years is like an era of, of football. You know, every, every four years is a, is a whole era of rivalry and iconic games and, and things like that. Players are just hungry you know, it's not about anything else. It's not. It's about pride. It's about bragging rights. It's about, you know, school pride. It's about representing, you know, where you're from. It's about, you know, showing, you know, where the best football in the in the in the country comes from. You know what I'm saying? It's that's that's you know that's what college football is. And when you, of course, in the NFL, you get paid millions and millions. You know, so and a lot of people would argue that once you get those millions and that's across any sport, 
some some people would say, and I agree with that, that Conor McGregor is not the same hungry person he was once he got his hands on 100 million, then turned it into 200 million and turned 200 into 600 million with the whiskey brand after that Mayweather fight. And we can argue, but we can definitely see that. Not the hunger isn't there anymore for, for MMA. That has yet to be seen with a rematch. But um, back to football. A lot of a lot of people just get that money and they they're done after that. You know what I'm saying? So I mean like that hunger does disappear because like what what are you gonna do like if you if you got like 10 million in endorsements, you could retire and not have to lift a finger for the rest of your life. You know what I'm saying? And just live off that little bit. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to do much else. But, you know, with college football, it's just everything's unproven. And nothing is earned until you actually, you know, win a national title or you show out or win a Heisman or whatever the case may be. And then once you get to the NFL, that's when you – you know what I'm saying? That's when you earn all that. That's when you get all the sponsorships and all that. That's when you, cause you know, it's, it's there, you know, it's earned mm. and you fought for it and you were hungry for it. So with, with this, you're going to have a lot of college football players coming in thinking that they're going to be hot, super hot. You know, they're going to be thinking that, you know, oh, all I have to do is just show out, make a few touchdowns, do a little this and that, and someone will send me some brand sponsorships and get some money or whatever. No, that's not the case. You know, you're, you're just going to have a lot of college players coming in and doing that, and it's not – it's the hunger's not going to be there, you know, because they don't have anything. You're an, you're an entirely different beast of a person in anything you do when you have nothing. You're an entirely different beast. You're an entirely different person once you have everything and you don't feel the need to fight. You know what I'm saying? I'm scrapping in this last month to pay off my student loan debt, so I'm a totally different animal right now. I'm a totally different disciplined person right now. But once that student loan is paid off and now I have all the money to do whatever I want with, you know what I'm saying? What am I going to be stressing over? What am I going to be hungering for? Nothing much at all because I got it. You know, I mean, unless you're Tom Brady, who has seven rings and still acts like he's won nothing. I mean, pissed off today or yesterday at practice. You know what I'm saying? After the Super Bowl and it's like, yeah, you know, he's just tired, got bags under his eyes. It's hella frustrated unless you're that kind of hungry, unless you're like, Nick Saban hungry, you know, up 55 to 100 on Louisiana Lafayette, but one mistake on defense and you're cussing out your whole staff hungry, you know, there's not many people like that. So, I mean, yeah, I'm glad that people are getting paid now for their likeness, but at the same time, the hunger of college football and the competitive nature of it could end up disappearing, you know, because it's all about money now for the players. It's not about winning. It's not about making sure you do your best. It's not about any of that. It's about that dollar. And so, you know, it, it, it just might be a bad thing. So, well, let me say this. That's not what I was going to say is the negative thing. 
but and, and I do uh, agree to a certain extent that I, I do think a lot of players will turn to divas, but I think there will be some to come up mostly from bad situations. Because if you come up from a bad situation, you're just even that more motivated. Get out of my city. Like, I've got to get out of here. Right. And I think a lot of people will, you know, stay focused and, and, and reap the benefits. And and very briefly, let me say that on the, the positive aspect of this, I wholeheartedly support the idea of college athletes getting paid especially football players because it is such a violent sport and we've seen such horrific injuries um and also i really do love the stories like there was a story the other day Najee harris uh the running back at alabama he, he probably would have made hella money off endorsements especially as good as he played last year um but you know he his family had nothing growing up they slept in the back seat of a car he got paid his nfl money First thing he does, like a true guy, buys his mama house. Like yeah. that that that's fucking beautiful. That is. That that is just absolutely that is such a beautiful thing. Um so I mean kudos to him. I mean really kudos to him for that. And I yeah. think that adding that to the college level, seeing that I think we'll see that happen more and more, and I think that'll be a beautiful thing. Right. But here's the negative. All right, so that's – I feel very strongly that college athletes deserve to get paid. Here's the negative to that. Do you know what people's biggest gripe with college football is right now? What is? The fact that you can pretty much right now, without knowing the names of any quarterback, guess what teams are going to be in the playoffs, and you're not – you can probably guess two out of four. You know, it's not like we shuffle teams in the playoffs every year. You'd agree with that? I agree. You know, if, if I were to tell you that next season, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and let's say Oklahoma make the playoffs, you'd, you'd believe that. Somewhat, yeah. Because, I, I mean, I wouldn't be far off. I mean, maybe Oklahoma doesn't make it. Maybe Ohio State doesn't. But it's safe to say Bama and Clemson probably will because that's yeah. been the case for a long time, and I'm not bragging. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of that, a big reason for that is because those teams I just mentioned, and you can throw Georgia in there, A&M, other teams, the reason they're always in the picture, one of the reasons at least, is because they recruit better than anybody. That's a that's a big factor. If you have the most talent, that obviously plays to your advantage. Right. Now, why do teams like Alabama have such large advantages? Well, think about what Nick Saban can offer a player, Eric. He goes up to him and says, kid, if you play at Alabama, and now Dabo Sweeney, and there's other coaches that could say similar things, but obviously – Saban can say this more firmly than the others, and Davo Sweeney would be second. He could say, kid, if you play for me, you will train at the nicest facilities in the country. The, you will have the best nutrition. You'll have the best workout room. You'll have incredible 
activities all around. It'll just be living like at a five-star resort in these facilities. All right? right. He can promise that and deliver. And he can say, kid, if you play for me, you will have humongous television exposure. And that's true. Because even when Bama plays Mercer or whatever D3 school we're playing next, it still is the 12 o'clock game. But, you know, Bama LSU, that's Saturday night football. That's the most watched game of the week. Tens, right. of, tens of millions of people will turn in, uh, tune in to watch that to see you play. And what does it mean if people watch you play? You book your ticket to the NFL. Everybody knows that one good year at a team like Bama or Clemson is just that books your ticket to the NFL right? immediately. So Saban, prior to this, could offer a kid the best facilities, most television exposure, and all but guarantee a path to the NFL, which is the end goal. Yeah. Eric, are you aware that Bryce Young has made over a million dollars and has not started a single game? I am aware. Yes. Are you also aware, and this is not bragging, are you also aware that Bo Nix has been Auburn's quarterback for two years? Bo Nix has beaten Alabama, and he has not made anywhere near that money. <laughs> yes, one, that's not a brag. Hold on. I have a point to this. For one reason and one reason only, he plays at Auburn, Young plays at Alabama, and Auburn – is not a small school. Auburn, the quarterback of Miami, Derek King, right? Yeah. He's, he's played a whole season. He plays at Miami. That's a massive university, big football school. He's only getting paid 20 grand. The recruit, when I say, when I say that I think college football is about to be ruined, I mean, I think. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, the biggest of the big schools now have an even tighter grip on five-star recruits. Because, Eric, if I'm a five-star recruit, how do I say no to the best facilities, the TV exposure, the NFL ticket, and now the cash? I'm looking at, like, dude, Bryce Young can drive a McLaren to school now. Like right. this is this is the world we live in. Like Saban's like, dude, I can not only make you an amazing football player, son, I can make you rich. Right. Play for me and you'll be rich. Like the Bo Nix analogy, that's just me talking about like, you know, Auburn is a big school. Right. You know, and there's so many big schools in the nation, Penn State, Oregon, USC, all these other schools, man, that there, it's about to go from, you know, the Stanford head coach was already complaining about this. He was saying that Nick Saban now has an unfair advantage. And you know what? As a Bama fan, I hate saying this, but he's right. It yeah. really, it really is unfair at this point. I mean, you're not going to hear me complain because I want to see Bama win every year. But I mean, I just don't see how it's even. I mean, recruiting against Nick Saban, I actually, I don't say this to make fun of Auburn, I actually feel legit bad for Brian Harsons right now. 
Because what the hell do you pitch to a recruit who wants to go to Auburn? Or, or who wants to go to Alabama and you want to change their mind? Or to Clemson? What the hell do you say? It's not much we can say. I know, that's not me. And you can't even say, if you get a bunch of TV exposure, we'll pay you. Well, no, not really, because Bo Nix isn't getting paid anything, hardly. I mean, and, and and I'm looking at this like everybody's already pissed off that Alabama and Clemson pretty much battle it out every year, and it's the same game. Oh, no, people are tired of it. Right. But I honestly, I honestly believe when I say I think this is going to ruin college football, I mean that in the sense of a lot of people are going to lose interest because I think this rule has guaranteed that Alabama is going to have the best recruits. Clemson is going to have the best recruits, guaranteed. It is now impossible to pick recruits from them. I, I, I mean, I, I don't see I, Eric, how. Like, I, I really don't get it now. Yeah. Like, I'm not even talking shit. I'm just saying, like, it, it's, it really is unfair. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, the only possibility that would outweigh that problem would be that, because, you know, schools like Clemson and Alabama, they're stacked, stacked full of talent every single offseason, every single recruitment year. You know, so, like, a lot of guys want to play. So the only way that that would offset that problem is if, there were five-star recruits who didn't feel like sitting a year or two at Bama, you know, or Clemson or whoever wins the national title, or you know what I'm saying, and didn't feel like waiting and just decided to go to another school where they could start off the bat. You know, that, in my mind, is the only way to, to, to mix that up. That's the only way to, to – that that's the only solution to – But, Eric, listen to this, though, man. Even so, think about this. If you're at an Auburn or you're at in 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 you know a North Carolina starting I mean Eric Bryce Young hasn't even played yet. He's proven nothing and they are throwing a million dollars at him. Like you have to become a superstar. Like, you can't just go to North Carolina, play decent, and expect big endorsements. No, if you're going to go to North Carolina, you got to make the playoffs. Like, you got to get your name out there somehow. But it seems like Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson have the advantage of kid. If you're here, people are just going to assume you're good. And they're just going to hand you money before you even step out on the field. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, if if the if there if there are if and there will be, there are going to be other kids who won't get offers or anything like that. It doesn't change the fact that they still have a chance to play great football at other programs and still go pro in the NFL. That process does not change. Right it means that they won't be seeing millions until they make it to the pros, which. If they really love football, which I don't doubt they do, they won't mind 
at all. They're already in college. They're all they're all they already they're already majoring in 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 different degrees and things and have themselves set up for success already after college. So I mean, it's not like these guys have nowhere to go if they don't make it to the NFL, you know, or if they don't get millions of dollars. You know, they'll still come out to high paying jobs that will definitely benefit them. But I mean, at the end of the day, two things. Number one, not everyone is guaranteed, you know, to go to the NFL. And number two, who's going to care about these kids if they get injured? You know, say, and I'm not speaking this on Bryce Hall, I'm not saying it's, it's strictly scenario. You know, say he gets to the season and halfway he's having a baller season, highest scoring QB, highest uh, scoring QB in, in college football. Say he lives up to expectation. Say one game, he just happens to get injured, you know, and he's out and he can never play football again. Who would have cared about him after that if he was not getting paid these NIL endorsements? Not a soul. But Eric, what what I'm saying about the endorsements is it's like it's like you're not just going to start at North and get an endorsement. You're not just gonna start at all these other like decent sized schools and get an endorsement. No, I agree. Bryce, Bryce Young has not started a damn game, and he has like I got nothing against Bryce Young accepting that money because I would too. Bryce Young take the money. Yeah, but everybody's all pissed off about the recruiting disadvantage. I, I, I think that disadvantage just got worse. Well, here's the thing. I don't. You want to know why? Here's why. Because even before the NIL deals came, even before they changed that rule, schools like Alabama and Clemson, Alabama especially, already – through number one, starting out what everyone else did with not a number one top recruiting class, just starting out from the bottom, building a championship culture in the team, won multiple national titles, and then got to where they are today. So for any other schools that are like that, including my own, Auburn, including my favorite team, boo-hoo, boo-freaking-hoo. So what? Alabama's going to have an edge on recruiting. It's not like we were doing any better before the NIL deals. It's not like any other school was. You want those same advantages? Go win championships. It's college football. It's Division I football. It's the SEC. Boo freaking who? Go hit somebody in the mouth. Build your program up like Alabama did. Cause, cause, and I'm sick of this narrative, too that stupid, ignorant fans of college football say, oh, oh, Ole Miss, Ole Miss fans, retarded. Alabama was just handed everything. It's, it's been, they, they paid, they were just handed everything. Clemson's hand, Ohio State, they're handed. No, they're not. No college program was handed anything. They built their teams from the bottom to get to where they are today. You're not owed anything in the SEC or in college football, period. So if you want to win, go win. 
Go build a championship culture. I'm not saying it's easy. No, it's not. It's the most hardest thing to do ever. But that's what it is. It just adds more pressure. So if you're a recruit and you don't want to go to Bama and you want to go to North Carolina and start, okay, start with yourself. Go up there and elevate. You know what I'm saying? Help build the championship culture. Help try to build North Carolina into a championship team. And maybe, just maybe, you might get an offer. You might get a scholarship. But that just starts by you doing you. You know? I mean, you can't. That's Bama. Bama had nothing when they started. Y'all already, I mean, yes, y'all had championships, but y'all were in a rut before then. Mm -hmm. Until Saban came. Nick had nothing. He came in there and he built it from the bottom. Nothing was given to that man. So, I mean, six championships left. He's bringing players to his house, bringing them out on the boat, and developing relationships. He's like... Well, Eric, I, I can tell you what's changed. What's changed now is Saban is now indirectly cash in their pockets. I, I mean... Eric, you got to remember, we're, we're talking about 16, 17-year-old, 18-year-old kids when they arrive at Bama, all right? I just can't imagine being 17 and knowing, like, and I'm talking, if Bama shows me any interest, and I know I said, I'll use Clemson as an example because I don't want to call him off as biased, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Uh, if Clemson, like if DJ, however you say his last name, on Google lately, he's got a really long last name. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if he starts getting paid, Bryce getting paid a good bit of money because he's at Clemson. If I'm a 17-year-old big-time quarterback recruit and Dabo showing interest, and I see DJ before he even steps on the field making six hundred grand or whatever, and I know the backup at or the starting quarterback at North Carolina, who's been doing good for two years, has played great, has had back-to-back 10-win seasons, he ain't getting paid dick. So, yeah. And Clemson can offer me the better facilities and the TV exposure and the guaranteed ticket to the NFL. Like I would almost be stupid to go to North Carolina at that point. Would you not agree? Like you would almost be a jackass at that point. You would be. And and that's what I'm saying, man, is like I'm legit concerned about that as a Bama fan. Because I'm gonna be honest, I don't want it to be Bama and Clemson every year. I enjoy college football. All of my favorite Bama games have been the ones that have had me on the edge of my seat that we won. The, the Georgia game in 2017, the, the Clemson game, the first one, uh, you know, the, the, the Georgia SEC title game, the 2016 comeback against Clemson like the, or against Ole Miss, so many great games. I love them. I mean, yeah, blowouts are cool, man. I know, you know, you enjoy it when Auburn blows out a team, but, you know, the close wins are always the most fun. They always. just are. They get your blood pumping and – I'm just I, I I don't want to live in a world where it's the same team every year. 
is, yeah. is, is what I'm getting at. And, and I'm afraid that, I mean, we're pretty much getting close to there because it's been, I, I mean, ever since, are you aware that, I, I don't think, yeah, I can say this, there has not been a single national title game in the CFP era that has not had either Alabama or Clemson in it. Fully aware, yeah. Not, not one. Not one. Either Bama or Clemson has been present at every single national title game. Yeah. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. But like I said, the, 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 the torn part of this comes with the fact that I support these players getting paid because football is such a violent sport and they've put such work in in high school to get to where they are. People can say whatever they want about gifted talent. No, if you're good enough to play at Bama or one of these big D1 schools, you put that work in. Yeah. And I'm never going to hate on that. But like I said, I'm torn on it because of the the recruiting discrepancies I think this might cause. Yeah. And there, I mean, there may be, but I mean, and this is my final closing thought. There may be discrepancies, but people already thought there were recruiting discrepancies already, even before this. So, I mean, I just, I just think nothing. I don't think anything is going to change. I just think it's going to give a lot of players an incentive to do better in school, to push further. I think it's going to help them take care of their families and for their futures, just in case they don't go to the NFL or whatever the case may be. Um, as far as the competitive nature, no one wants a, 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 you know, kind of, no one wants college football to be where there's only two different teams that win the championship every year. So I would just, it's going to be up to the recruiting. It's going to be up to the recruiting teams and, you know, them to just make it worth the while you know you got to make them come to your school you just have to you know what i'm saying i don't care i don't know what you got to do but you got to do it you got to make it worth you know make it worth their while because and and like i said not everyone's guaranteed to go to alabama and start you know there are guys who are absolute four-star studs who are still waiting and have been waiting to play for like two or three years at bama just riding that oak you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I still think that hunger is going to be there for other players who feel like, you know, they'll have a better chance to shine and that they have the confidence. There are players out there who have the confidence that they can go shine somewhere else that's not Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson and absolutely make it because not everyone's guaranteed that. And there are players who aren't even three-star recruits or four-star recruits that come out the woodworks and that just become legend. So there's also that you have to factor into it as well. So I still think it's it's gonna, it's gonna make for uh, interesting uh, next two college football seasons, you know, to see how this all plays out. Yeah, I agree. We'll just have to see how it plays out. Um, and, and I hope I'm wrong about the discrepancies. In all honesty. Yeah, but yo, bro, to close this off real quick with some nerd talk, I'm loving the early buzz for Suicide Squad, man. 
I'm loving it. It it sounds it sounds real. When does it drop? It drops four uh, days. Four days. Four, so on the fifth, yep. the fifth of midnight, and then the sixth officially Friday. So yeah, man, I'm I'm hearing some good stuff about it too. I'm I'm, I'm optimistic. I hope the best for Warner Brothers, and I hope that with this success that they continue to follow the formula that they did with this, which is let <laughs> directors direct. No studio meddling. Don't we, get on that, Eric. Don't get on I'm it. Not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying. <laughs> they're winning right now. They're winning right now, and we know why. So, like. We'll see, bro. We'll see. Uh, this is a good one, man. Yes, sir. This was a good one. Thank you for everyone who tuned into the live stream. Follow us on Instagram at jhouse underscore comics, Twitter at jhouse1997, uh, Barrow at jhouse comics, Snapchat at jhouse king, and you can catch all of the podcasts at www.jhousecomics.com. This is Eric and Evan Elliott signing off. We will catch you guys later, man. Peace. Peace. Thank you for joining. This has been another edition of J House Radio.